You're listening to episode 91 of the Pastor Writer Podcast, conversations on reading, writing, and the Christian life. I'm your host, Chase Replogle. Well, it's officially 2020, and I've been thinking, as many have over the last few weeks, about the upcoming year. I'm really excited for the podcast. Um, I already have some guests scheduled for January and February that are just going to be really great conversations, so I'm excited to bring those to you. But one of the things I use this podcast for is a way to document some of the lessons that I've been learning in my own writing and reading and trying to grow as a Christian. And I want to bring you one of those thoughts today. I've been thinking a lot over the last few weeks about the dangers that come along with writing and posting and speaking too soon. I've been learning it personally, and I hope maybe through this episode, together we can reflect on what it means to take our time, to be patient, and to write things we actually mean. As always, thanks for listening. Year's is the season of new resolutions, but honestly, I've never been one for making many of them. A new year brings new energy, and there's a lot I'm looking forward to in the months ahead. I've noticed recently a lot of online talk about goals for reading and writing in 2020. I'm honestly not in control of either of those enough to make goals. I will read and I will write, but I can't tell you how much of either is going to happen. I do use the turning of the calendar to think about what I have read in the past year and to take inventory of what I've written and where that might be going. Oscar Wilde once wrote, It is what you read when you don't have to that determines what you will be when you can't help it. Recently, I've been thinking about the holes in my reading, things which I want to give more attention to in the season to come. But in this episode, I want to offer you a different warning. Think of it as a kind of New Year's resolution, or at least a New Year's awareness that I hope develops in the months to come. In 2020, you can't be too careful about what you say and write and how quickly you do it. If reading guides your thinking, I've come to think that speaking solidifies it. That includes all forms of speaking, posting online, publishing blogs, and saying it. And maybe one of the great challenges of our time, with so easy tools for publishing and speaking and liking and sharing, is the premature solidification of ideas we really haven't taken the time to think much about. For me, this really is personal. The other day, I posted a link to an online article and some of my own thoughts about it into an online forum of pastors that I'm a part of. The entire engagement took me about two minutes, and to bear all honesty, I had only mostly read the article I was sharing, a kind of online skim. As I've written about on the blog, a 2016 study conducted by Columbia University found that 59% of all links shared on social media weren't even clicked by the person who was sharing them. Like so much of what gets shared on the internet, I shared that article without a lot of thought. Mostly, the article's headline and basic idea confirmed some half-thought that I had had before and seemed to justify my thinking on the topic. In some ways, I shared it so I wouldn't have to think about the topic anymore, but somehow be vindicated by someone else having thought it with me. A like, a share, a hot-take headline can serve as a way of speaking without having to take the time to figure out what to say. Although I was self-conscious to none of this in the 30 seconds it took me to copy the link over into the forum. Soon, some of my pastoral colleagues disagreed, kindly but obviously. 
Some shared their own brief perspectives on the question. Some responded with thumbs up in agreement. And a few wrote longer and more engaged thoughts. I found myself feeling defensive. I had been misunderstood. I had been mischaracterized by their disagreement. I started searching for more articles to support my original thought. I felt myself needing to respond. The economist J.K. Galbraith once wrote, Faced with a choice between changing one's mind and proving there is no need to do so, almost everyone gets busy with the proof. That means your opinion can actually solidify simply because of someone else's disagreement. Now who really controls your thought? I started typing out my response. I'm not sure why or how, but somewhere in the middle of it, I had this strange realization. While I was making a perfectly reasonable and well-articulated reply, at least in my evaluation, I didn't actually believe what I was writing. Why was it so hard, and even now, to consider that I might have actually been wrong from my first word? Consider this. Think about the range of opinions and topics you have seen friends commenting and sharing on in the last few days of social media. Now, try to remember, were there any who took the time to share what they had gotten wrong? Can you think of a single post or comment in which a single person changed their mind? In addition to my pastoring and writing, I am also a freelance web developer. I've been building websites for about a decade and a half now. And the internet began with the optimistic hope that publishing would be democratized, that the most marginal voices would have access to distribution once gobbled up by the corporate conglomerates. The exposure of so many more voices and ideas would enlighten and broaden our thinking and our conversations, and the internet would help us become globally minded and more well-considered in our opinions, our views. If you think about it today, that sounds kind of like a joke but that originally was the idea. Blog comments, Twitter threads, Facebook debates, and online forum threads feel more like Lord of the Flies than these newly enlightened conversations they were supposed to become. But I don't think the problem can be so easily dismissed to the platforms. Facebook and Twitter are ultimately lines of code, complex but pointless without the ideas and words that we pump into them. Our platforms reveal our brokenness and division more than they create it. But I am growing more concerned by the ways our online discourse solidifies opinions we haven't actually taken the time to form. Humans have long said stupid and uninformed things. There's nothing new about that. From Marie Antoinette's dismissal, let them eat cake, to the cringeworthy conspiracy theories you probably indulged from family members over the holidays. There has never been a shortage of people speaking before they think. I could give plenty of personal examples from most days of my own life. But what separates our sometimes misinformed dining room discussions with friends and family from the internet are the stakes. Say something dumb in front of your friends and they will roll their eyes or call you on it and the conversation will pretty quickly move on. Say something dumb in front of every acquaintance that you've accumulated in the last 10 years of Facebook friend requesting, and that embarrassment is much harder to take. So hard to take that most people will go on defending their position, maybe even becoming more convinced by it themselves, just to save themselves from the embarrassment. That conflict may actually keep them from ever genuinely thinking about the question again. 
So, as I've witnessed in myself, we double down. We seek out our justification, and under no circumstance or in any situation do we admit we were wrong. The internet is awash in people clicking like and sharing their first apparent opinion. Once we have spoken, we have taken a major step towards solidifying our opinion. Once we feel the need to defend ourselves, thinking has long left the occasion. We are now a product of our quickest and most basic thought, a product of our own defensiveness. We are what we tweet. I like how the novelist Tolstoy put it. The most difficult subjects can be explained to the most slow-witted man if he has not formed any idea of them already. But the simplest thing cannot be made clear to the most intelligent man if he is firmly persuaded that he already knows, without a shadow of a doubt, what is laid before him. Maybe in the world of instant communication, it is better to be slow-witted than firmly persuaded. As a writer, I know the pressure to speak fast and to speak with the strongest of convictions, to be the first one to publish. Often the first opinion representing a predetermined side is the only one which gets read. The kind of patient reflection, discussion, self-criticism, and editing required to really form an opinion are not conducive to success online. Or maybe it's that we have underestimated the true wisdom that's required for discerning when to speak and when to listen, that maybe not all opinions we possess are really worth speaking. The writer of Ecclesiastes concluded, For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter, a time to keep silent, and a time to speak. Our culture considers a person's ability to speak their opinion not just a right, but a kind of necessity. To not have an opinion is to be dull at best, and possibly irrelevant and transparent at worst. If a person chooses not to speak, are they even still a person in this world? In the digital age, it doesn't seem so. There is a risk in silence. There is a risk that we cultivate a kind of indifference that refuses to speak when we should. But the real question is not to speak or not to speak. The real question is, have we cultivated the kind of wisdom to recognize the choice actually exists? Have we learned that listening can be as liberating as declaring? After all, what does it take to live out James's words in this new online world? My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. James would go on to warn Christians not to simply listen to the word and so be deceived. They should go and do what it says. I think it's fair to add to James' warning, do not merely discuss the word, do not merely like or share the word, do not merely offer your hot take on the word. Do not merely blog or tweet the word, but live it. Take the time to form your opinion on the actual soil of life. Let it be most true, not in the passion of your online discourse, but in the integrity of your own private life. Let your opinion be something that is first lived, be it. Around your own dining room table, in conversations with your neighbors, in the way that you offer your time to an employer at work. You may find that when it is time to speak, what you have to say will actually be something you know about, something worth others listening to. 
My urge is that you be careful not to speak too fast, lest you get to the end and find you are more a product of your midnight social media likes than your true prayerful thinking. I'll wrap up with this poem from Eugene Peterson, one of my favorite writers. He writes it to comment on Isaiah 53, 7, yet he opened not his mouth. Peterson writes, The temptation is always to say too much. Compensate for his non-saying with verbal tinsel and bauble tunes, unnerved by the dimming of angel glory, fading echoes of exuberant hosannas, we dazzle with evangelical smiles, amplified earnestness to deafen doubt, then miss the pre-dawn silence, swaddled virgin birth. Quiet is the only adequate womb thick enough to shut out the devil's noise, protect a life of listening. Silence and only silence is congenial humus for this seed that will burst in resurrection through death's mute crust. Good writers have a trick for proper self-critique. They will lock whatever they have written up in a drawer for as long as they can stand to not look at it. A few days is good, a few weeks better. It allows them to recognize all of the obvious problems of what they once thought was great. Maybe our lives could all be improved by a two-week delay on anything we post online, a drawer by which we place our thoughts before we speak them so publicly. I wonder how much of it would get rewritten or maybe deleted altogether. I wonder if we could find a kind of wisdom that seems to be so lacking in our current conversations. If only we had a few more days to think before we posted. As always, you can find show notes for today's episode by going to pastorwriter.com slash 91. I really appreciate so many of you who have taken the time to leave reviews and subscribe to the podcast. A review and a subscription is the best way to help new people find the show as well. And the feedback is really helpful to help me continue improving the podcast. As I said in the beginning, I've got some great conversations and interviews coming up in the next few months. I really can't wait to share them with you. So subscribing will make sure that you know about all the latest episodes. As always, thanks for listening. Until next time.